Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. What we are excited about is how God is going to cast vision for your life as we start a new year. I I love the fact that we can kind of hit reset, not only flipping a calendar, but also in our lives, that the Lord gives us these moments in time where we can just have a fresh start. And uh, someone came and shared with me just even during worship that the Lord was speaking to them, that that oftentimes when we come into worship, we, we think that we don't have things to thank God for to be thankful for. And if we would just remember the cross is what the word was. If we would remember the cross and what he has done for us, we will begin to see just a newness of life coming about in our, in our lives. I believe as we reflect on what he has done, we'll begin to see the things that we do have to thank him for. And I believe this, uh, this new year, as we start out, even with our 21 days, I hope you've been join, uh, joining us. Um, there's some things that we've been, that I was hoping we would be praying together as we look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in chapter one, that they would have this this revelation and wisdom that was brought about by the spirit. And I believe that that is what we need in this new year is a spiritual awakening more than anything. We need it as individuals. We need it as a nation. We need it when you look at just the global things that are going that are going on. I mean, literally, you can be a part of the royal family and want to get out of your country. Apparently, you know, uh, that's what I was told this week because I'm a huge fan of the, uh, anyways, of the kingdom, and uh, <laughs> and so there are so many things though that we realize, man, it's this life is messed up. It is not what God originally intended it to be. But what if, what if we began to see redemption in its full? What if we began to experience his spirit for everything that he has for us in this life? I'm one of those that I'm a firm believer that I don't believe what God has destined us for is just to skate through this life and get to the next one. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to, to be more than conquerors in this life, not in just the one to come. We know that one's taken care of, but he wants us to walk in his fullness here and now. And that's what I think is the beauty of what he is doing in us and through us today. And so as we just kind of get back into our series that looks like the 2020 slide for Baba Watos, however, she's a, I'm Baba Wawas, and this is 20, anyways, so that's my best, that's my best impression there. But we're going to recap just a little bit. Last week, if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and catch that podcast. Uh, it'll set some foundations, some framework for where I'm heading over the next few weeks. And you're going to hear a little bit about the vision in general that I have for the church. Uh, the three uh, main words that we have that we've literally put them on t-shirts. Thus, if you have these, wear them the next few weeks. This is your chance, man. So we're going to be casting just the vision that I believe that he has not only for us as a body, but for us as individuals. And what does that look like as we, as we take over the world, right? As we see what God has for us in his kingdom moving forward. And so I just want to recap a little bit of what we talked about last week as we talked about vision. And vision is often confused with mission. I work full-time with a nonprofit organization. Uh, many of you are aware, Kiko, it's an inner city ministry. Uh, we work with children and youth and their families. But it is oftentimes when we sit down with our board of directors and we do this five-year, 10-year plan that people get vision and mission confused a lot. 
You see, for vision, these are statements that are very broad. These are things that can stay the same year after year after year, even if your nuances of how you attack that vision, how you achieve that change a little bit. That would be your mission, how you're going to do what you hope to accomplish, right? And so for me, our vision is large. I think about Chick-fil-A. I worked there. Anybody else ever worked at Chick-fil-A before? Come on, anybody? I'm the only one you tried. Okay, that counts, I guess. In high school, Chick-fil-A was the only place that would take me. And so I worked there for a few years. And uh, they're, they're, you know, true at Kathy, it was to, to invent the, the, to make the greatest chicken sandwich. And uh, I think they did a pretty good job. I love it. Popeye's is trying to get in on that turf. Now McDonald's, it's just, it's all these, these, uh, these fabrications that aren't, that aren't the real deal. But Chick-fil-A, they wanted to create the, the best chicken sandwich. And so that was their vision but they created an atmosphere alongside that. I was there when my pleasure came out. Oh, it drove me nuts. I was like, are you kidding me? Really? We're good. And we have to say my pleasure to every thank you. Are you kidding? And, and that was true. That was, that was part of how they were wanted to stand apart. And you can see it now. I'm not a part of the organization anymore, but I can see how they're changing the drive-through experience with all these coverings. You've seen them pop up. Like they're all remodeling. They're trying to, they've been serving you for years at your table. So, but they, their, their vision was to create the best chicken sandwich. And then I think about other organizations that um, I didn't work for, but Steve Jobs, man, what an incredible vision this guy had when he was with Apple. I'm not speaking to him as, a, as an individual, but just his vision for that company. It was to make a contribution to the world by making tools for the mind that advance humankind. You're like, what? They make computers and MP3 players and iPads, right? But no, he, he believed that we want to put things in people's hands that literally advance creativity in the human mind that will make a contribution to the world. And uh, he did an amazing job. As, as brilliant as he was and as offbeat as his leadership had been, um, he did an amazing job when he was with, with Apple. I believe that he did a great job. And I did work for another company. Um, I worked for Starbucks for a little bit. And uh, I didn't really care for the CEO at the time. But their vision was this. I love coffee. It was to inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. And they've, they've literally taken coffee and made it a fast food industry. And it, it wasn't really that, that hit before, but Starbucks, as you know, made it a, a trendy marketable item to where now, you know, people are, are, you know, able to open coffee shops and they can build a, a clientele because I think Starbucks helped with opening that door with their vision of making every cup, every person, every neighborhood, something that is inspired and nurtured. And, and coffee's just good in general. So I don't, I don't care where you get it. I just hope you're drinking it with me today. And on that note, let's just, uh, let's raise our glasses together. Here we go. Cheers to 2020 and our coffee. All right. Put that McDonald's sweet tea down, son. No, I love sweet tea too. I'm from the South. <clears throat> Here we are. But there are so many large, bold, broad stroke statements of that we can have for our lives as vision. But I want to ask, do you know what God's vision is for you? And sometimes there are visions that we have for the year. And I feel like I have a word even for the year that the Lord has impressed upon my heart. And I shared it with Candy because we saw something on Facebook where they're like, you can make a man necklace with your word for the year for 2020. A man necklace. That's right, Robin. And, and I'm like, yeah, I know my word for the year, but I'm not paying that price for that necklace. I'm just going to wear it on my heart. But I believe that sometimes we get something dropped in our spirit. We have a vision and today, I hope that you have that broader vision for what God has for you. 
And we looked at this verse, which is so uh, pivotal when we talk about vision in Proverbs 29, 18. And I love the way the ESV translates this. This is a great translation. It's very uh, transliteral. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is literally no inspiration, the people cast off restraint. They have no guidance. They don't know their lanes. They don't know where the Lord is leading them. But blessed is he who keeps the law. One thing I didn't take time to mention, which I love about this verse, is how this attaches the prophetic with the law. You have both the law and the prophets talked about in this verse, which is really interesting for an Old Testament proverb to tie those two together. You don't get this a lot. So you have literally the law, which would be considered the scriptures by the, by the Jewish folks here. And they're reading this and they're seeing that there is an equal weight to what the prophets are also saying in their day. And so the prophets and the law, and to me, I believe that we need the word of God, but we also need it spoken with inspiration. That it, when the Lord illuminates things in our lives, it begins to literally have that double-edged sword power that it was intended to have. I don't know what your story was, but I know for me, I knew a lot of the word of God. I had grown up in Christian school, but there was still something missing and it was the Spirit's inspiration. And when that happened for me, when he illuminated the words that I had read most of my life, it was a radical transformation in my heart. And I told a little bit about that last week. So if you missed some of that, go back and catch that. Because today we want to build on this. And I believe that we have to have more than just the word. We need the word with the spirit to bring it to life in our, in our lives. And so here is what I, I mentioned that Jesus said this in John 14. He said, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. These are the things that he spoke to us. He said, there's, there's someone coming. It is actually better that I leave which I think is a ridiculous statement, right? If I was a disciple, I'd be like, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? You're staying. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you. And he's going to bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He's literally going to take the statements that you already have and they're going to make sense. He's going to illuminate them. He's going to bring them to life. He's going to breathe on them the only way the Holy Spirit knows how. And that's what we need again for our lives. And one of the, the passages I was encouraging all of us to pray is out of Ephesians 1.17. Over these next few weeks, would you join me in praying this? It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The reason that the spirit would breathe on, on these words is, is literally so that we may know him better. I don't know if this is one of your resolutions. I don't know if this is just something you desire year in and year out. But for me, it is always more of him and less of me. But we need the spirit in this process. We need the spirit to breathe life on the words that we have already heard him say. Excuse me, I'm taking some gum out of my mouth. I apologize. And this is what I believe the Lord is wanting to do in, in our hearts this new year. One passage I didn't get to, uh, to land on last week, and I'll, I just want to go there quickly. If you have your paper Bibles with me, you can turn or get out your phones and dial it up. It's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I just want to spend a couple of minutes here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. While you're going, take another sip of heaven. Yours is black too, right? You didn't, you didn't uh, manipulate it. All right. 
this is a passage I've heard quoted so many times. Um, I've been to funerals and heard a portion of this scripture quoted. I've, I've even been at weddings, so you, you get both the beginning of some celebration. And, um, and we get to this verse in verse 9, and, and I think you'll recognize it. But Paul is saying this to the Corinthians. He says, we do, however, we speak of a wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So 1 Corinthians 2, I'm going to verse 7 now. No, we're declaring God's wisdom. It's a mystery that has been hidden and that God has destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, these are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I've heard this quoted so many times saying, oh, but you have no idea what God has prepared. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. And there's some truth to that statement, to that perspective on this scripture that, that we have no idea. I would probably use more of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, how we see in part, we speak in part, but then when we see the Lord for who he is in his fullness, then we will fully know. I would use that for on the other side of eternity, giving us that lens. But this scripture continues in this passage and gives us a different language saying with no eye has seen nor has any ear heard but he's saying we speak of a wisdom that is not of this earth that does bring these things to light he says in verse 10 these are the thing though that god has revealed to us by his spirit the things that no eye has seen and no ear has heard nor could any of it enter the heart of man these are the things that the spirit of god can illuminate what we didn't know, we can now know because we have someone that the Lord says was coming that would teach us and bring to our remembrance everything that Jesus had said. And he say, now the spirit who searches the th all things, even the deep things of God, verse 11. You guys with me? Says this, he says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And, and for me, honestly, this is one of the things that happens for me um, when I feel the, Holy, the unction to pray in the Holy Spirit, to be led of the Holy Spirit in my prayers, is that when I didn't know what to pray, all of a sudden I feel like the Lord will drop that into my mind and heart and I'll know exactly how to pray. Uh, because I feel like the Lord is leading that through his spirit. But this also is what he is saying. He is saying he knows the deep things of God. And what we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So what I'm, I'm hearing here is that if we are having a problem of understanding the fullness of God for our lives, it's not an us problem, but an us tapping into what the spirit wants to illuminate in us. There's, there's a deficit of the Spirit's involvement, and we need that. But I'll tell you what, in the West, boy, that's, that's really touchy here. Like, how do we really give our life? Being led by the Spirit as the wind would blow, John would say. How do we really give ourselves to the Spirit for a vision for our lives? How do we encounter the Lord for who He is and not come with our preconceived notions? And that's the difficulty of what we have to lay aside. He says, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Now we can explain spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. 
And you can read on through verse 16 um, on your own there. But for me, this is what happened in my, per- in my personal story. This is where God took the words I had already known, breathed life on them through his spirit, and now there was illumination. Things that I had been taught, but not with spiritual understanding, now was real to me. And that's the problem is that if we don't have that spirit breathed, um, that experience with the word, then we won't understand all that he has destined us for. We won't have a vision for our lives that he has for us. This is part of understanding the vision that God has for us in 2020, I believe. And, And this is part of what I believe that what he has maybe even kept hidden has been a mystery. Now the spirit can illuminate for us. And I believe that he wants to do that for each one of us this year. And so I want to get into some new stuff as we go into, um, into this day where we're going to talk about each one of the points of why I believe our, our vision and mission here as a church, why we exist, is to encounter God, is to connect with one another, and then to grow together. To encounter, connect, grow. And those are things that I believe that you'll see all throughout Scripture I believe that you'll see someone had an encounter with the Lord. Uh, You'll see that the Lord grouped people together naturally, that he's constantly grouping people. And uh, how many of you know that there's, there's a tribe out there that you identify with, even spiritually? There's just a, there are people and I'm, and we have a, a ton of different experiences and denominations um, that even hold to, I believe the truth, but they, they give a different expression to, to what people would, would identify with. And for me, I have a spiritual DNA. I know where I came from. I know where I was given birth uh, spiritually and, and that's who I identify with. And I believe it's the same for you, whether you recognize it or not, you have a group of people that you connect with that the Lord groups you with. And, and you may be serving here and you'll be like, ah, you know, there's some that I connect and there's some that, yeah, it's, it's on a higher level than just, you know, who you connect with and make friends with. And, and God's called you here for a reason. Um, I remember a few years ago um, before, when, when Pastor James was still here, there was um, a lady that had come and was like, well, I don't really have any friends at church. And he was telling me, he was like, I don't really know of any verse that talks about go to church where you have friends go to church and have friends. I'm like, well, there's probably some ideas behind we should have community and friendships and things like that. But you know what? We don't come just to get. We also come to give. And I think when we're in a, a one-sided aspect of that relationship, we will, we will be stunted in our growth and our maturity of what the Lord wants for us. It's two ways. It's a give and a take. We should be receiving. Absolutely, you should be receiving, but we should also be serving. We should come looking for ways to contribute. We should, uh, we should want to be involved in what God is doing in our church family. And so I think about as we talk about encountering and, and how I believe that this is something that the Lord wants, not just for us and for you as individuals, but for the church as a whole. How do we encounter God? Is this his desire? Does he want to meet with us? Does he want to fellowship with us? And I think there's a resounding yes And I think of encounters, I'm not talking about just kind of a a quick glance of someone and you walk by, right? No, I'm talking about you met somebody and it overwhelmed you. I'll tell you a quick story. I was living in LA um, and we were celebrating my friend Claire's birthday. We were right outside of UCLA's campus. Uh, We were headed to Diddy Reese. If you don't know what that is, it is just the best place to go get an ice cream sandwich. Handmade uh, ice cream sandwiches. They scoop it out, put it between two fresh baked cookies, Oh my goodness. And they were a dollar in LA. So go figure. So that place was always packed. We had just left uh, the restaurant we had been eating and we're headed by uh, this, this theater and we see this car. I can still see it to my left here. And I'm like, what? 
what? Look at this. It is an expensive convertible. And uh, had custom seats with little Superman emblem uh, leather seats on them. And, and uh, Carrie, you would have liked this. You know who it was, don't you? You've been watching the Cribs, haven't you? MT Cribs. So we looked at it. I recognized the car, too. And I was like, I know whose this is. And we're like, where is he? And we look, it was a small car for a big guy. We look across the, from the vehicle, and here is this towering fellow in Kinko's, like the photocopy place. And we're like, first of all, what does that guy need to be running copies for himself? And we wait till he comes out. Shaquille O'Neal walks out. And we're like, we get, we get our, our gawking photo with him, right? We're like, and so there he is, like towering over us. And my little uh, Aussie friend, it was her birthday, Claire and me and one of my other friends. We're sitting there with Shaquille O'Neal in his convertible over here. And I, that was an encounter for me. Like it was like, this was overwhelming. It was something that I hadn't experienced before, you know, meeting a real pretty big celebrity for me as a sports fan. And Shaquille O'Neal was kind of, you know, in my high school days, the big rookie coming out. And, and so this was cool. And, and there were others I met when I lived there. Uh, but to meet someone like that, that massive and that overwhelming of a presence, it was really cool. And I still have that picture uh, to this day. But, um, and I think about though, when we have an encounter an encounter with God, I'm not talking about just kind of, you know, oh yeah, we had a good prayer, we had a good service, or I got prayer, and I think there was some hair on the back of my neck that may have stood up, or I'm talking about something that leaves you marked different. That when you walk away from there, there's no denying that the Lord met with you. And, and I have these throughout my life, what I call my fence post, where something happened in my life that changed me where maybe I was set free from something or there was a service that the Lord met me in a powerful way and, and revealed purpose in my life. Something like that where there are these moments where we have an encounter with the Lord and you see him all throughout scripture. And I want to talk about a few of those today. I want us to look first at the very beginning. And it's going to be in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, and this is a little bit of our vision here. If you're wondering how we say it, it's in your bulletin and we'll email it to you if you didn't get a paper one. Uh, it says, we are a community of believers creating an atmosphere to encounter and know God. Connecting people to real relationships, that's where our life groups are, are, are vital, that cause us to thrive in our faith and cultivating believers towards imitating Christ in pursuit of those far from God. That's where we grow together. And so you like those words? Yeah, all right. Thanks, First Watch, for inspiration while we were sitting there. And so I want to go to Genesis 3 as we look at, for me, a pattern, a pattern that we'll see from the very beginning of God's desire to meet with you, of God's desire to have fellowship with you. And here he is. You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm going to, I'm going to give a little bit of a new twist on it today. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. How in the world did they know it was him? I would say that they had heard this sound before. I would say that this was not a new thing for them. I would say that they recognized that that's when God, I, I hear it, I, I can recognize. When you have met with the Lord, you know what it feels like, you know when he's speaking to you, you can recognize his voice. My sheep know my voice. And here in the cool of the day, you see that the Lord was coming. And it, it's not so much about the time of the day, but they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. This, Moses is writing 
almost in contrast to what will happen on that great mount as Moses would meet with the Lord. They would hear the sound of the Lord's voice. And, and oftentimes the, 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 this phrase of hearing the sound of the Lord is also they would hear and obey. There's a very uh, similar pattern in the Greek words that are used there. And, and there's oftentimes when we hear that obedience is coupled with it. And so here though, you remember what happened with the Israelites when they heard that sound, they said, oh, we're not going up there. Moses, you go right? We're not meeting with him. We're afraid to meet with God and what might happen to us because of, because of their disobedience. And here we have the same thing happening from the very beginning. There's this sense of the Lord has appeared. The Lord is encountering us. And there's this sense of, I'm not worthy. I have too much to be ashamed of, and I'm guilty. And I can't come to him as I am because something bad really might happen or I'm embarrassed. And that's what we see here from the very beginning that has been keeping us from encountering God in our state as we are. And I would say that it does not need to keep us anymore. Now, let me be really careful to say this. The Lord loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want to leave you that way. Okay. He accepts you, but I'm not saying that he accepts your sin or your lifestyle or the things you've been living for. He accepts you but he wants to meet with you. And Jesus and our father in heaven, he meets with that which is like himself because he created you in his image. But there are some things that have distorted that. Sin has marred his image in us. And there's some things now that we like and we want to hold on to, but he's wanting to revolutionize that and bring us into the wholeness of what our original design was. And it comes as we encounter him for who he is not taking away from who we are in our current state, saying, God, here we are. See us as we are being vulnerable, not hiding any of the things that we should be ashamed of, but God, we're going to give you opportunity to bring freedom and transformation through your grace. Amen. That is what this, this story here missed and what we see translated to that mountain that we don't want to duplicate in our lives as we're encountering God that we hide ourselves, that we say, oh, I can't, I'm not going to church maybe a couple times, but I'm not good enough. No one's good enough. If you're looking for a perfect church, this isn't it. Let me just go ahead and tell you, try the one up the street, but it's probably not it either. You're going to find some people here that are willing to do life together, want to meet God, want to be real, want to grow together, want to walk in his fullness, but we don't have it all, all together. We don't have it all figured out. And I hope that you don't either, but you're on the journey with us but you're willing to walk through the process of the Lord's leading and his transforma transformation in our lives. And so I see it from the very beginning that first of all, we wanna see him for who he is and understanding his nature and character more fully and foster that relationship and rightly relating to him as he is. And this first, this first story tells us that. And so I want to jump from here. Where else do we see this throughout scripture? I, I see it in the prophets in Isaiah. Will you go to the passage for me? Because it's spinning over here. Isaiah chapter six, verse one. I'm going to jump around just a little bit on our encounters. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon our throne, high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah six, verse two, above him stood the seraphim, each having six wings, with two they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and the other two they flew. 
and one calling to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Oh, there's so much in this passage I don't even have time to get into. But he heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And I want to tell you a little bit about this prophet Isaiah before this encounter. I think a lot of us think, oh, this is where Isaiah really got his, his jump start into his ministry. He saw the Lord. This is where it got rolling for him. But he had already been preaching righteousness. If you read the first five chapters, Isaiah had already been calling the people of God back to himself. In Isaiah 1, verse 18, notably, it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. He had already been preaching, come back to the Lord. Reject your ways of following the nations and, and worshiping their gods and their idols and come back to Yahweh. He had already been preaching this. And we see in chapter five, verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And Isaiah had been living this. In chapter three, he's, he's calling back Judah and Jerusalem from the coming judgment. So Isaiah had already been living a righteous life, but then he encounters the Lord. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved, how long you've been following the Lord. There is always another glimpse of who he is for us to have. There is always another measure of his glory to experience and to allow our lives to be transformed. But note what happens to Isaiah when he sees him. He sees him in all this grandeur and he hears the, the seraphim, the angels literally before him worshiping. And he feels unclean. As a man who has been living righteous, preaching righteousness, he's overwhelmed by the holiness of the one that he's looking at. And I think it is so important to remember when we come to God, that we don't transform him into our image, that we don't begin to meet with a God that we create. That is just making another idol and worshiping yourself. But for me, I want to encounter him for who he is, bar none of what it makes me feel like. And if I need a coal brought off of that, which Jesus has done and come and brought cleansing and atonement so that we can behold him. In Hebrews, it talks about how now that we have this cleansing, we can boldly approach this throne of grace. Because of Christ, because of that atonement, we can encounter the living and holy God, but we must not begin to change him into our image because the reverse is what he is desiring to do through that encounter. He is wanting to change us into his likeness in an ever-increasing glory we'll see. Amen? And so we see this, that this is what Isaiah's experience was like. And, and in 2020, I want you to, to have a vision for meeting with the Lord, that you would encounter him, whether it's on your way to work or school, that, that you would fill your mind and heart with things that would connect you to his plan and his purpose, that you would hear his voice afresh this year, that you would have a desire, maybe even this morning, as you come to church each week that, that you would say, you know what, I'm gonna come with expectation. I wanna meet with God. I've got some desperation in my heart. And maybe if you don't have it now, ask the Lord to begin to plant those seeds, 
of hunger and desire, that he would awaken it in us again. I think of a man in Genesis chapter 12. We called him Abram at the time. And he had been living with his family in a land that they had settled fairly well. But he has an encounter with someone that I'm not even sure if he knew who he was encountering. But the voice tells me, says, pick up and leave your family, leave where you have planted yourself and go to a land that you know not of. I don't know how many of you have moved before, but I've never had to pick up and go to a place that I wasn't sure where I was even going. I just needed to start moving. And you start moving in that direction. And maybe that's how you landed here. Maybe you're like, I just started driving and Knoxville is where we landed. And so, but usually there's some more direction, but here he is, he's, he believes God's leading him and he's responding with obedience. And we know the rest of the story. We get to see that because of his response of faith to the one true God that he was encountering, it was credited to him as righteousness. That the Lord rewards when we respond with faith. When the Lord will speak to you in your encounter with him, he is going to reward your response of faith this year. And so come with a full heart. Come with the ability of saying, when I hear, I will obey. When I hear the sound of the Lord, I will respond with a heart that is willing to follow through with where you are leading and guiding me. I think about another man that we learn about in Exodus 3. His story was a little, uh, a little scattered at first where he floated in a basket and landed in a house that he didn't, uh, didn't you know, wasn't his parents that raised him. Uh, he was literally in, 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 uh, in a house that he was raised by, uh, by royalty, but it wasn't his family. And, and, and we see that he begins to learn from a f- his father-in-law who's keeping flocks, Moses, out in the wilderness. And the passage says this in Exodus 3. I love this. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, and you know this story, out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when, when the Lord saw that he turned, God called to him and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responded, Here I am. I love that part where it says, and when the Lord saw that he turned. I wonder how many times the Lord had appeared potentially to Moses, but Moses hadn't really taken note. I wonder how many times maybe the Lord had even tried to reveal himself and to encounter folks, but they hadn't really noticed his involvement in their lives around them. I wonder how many times that you and I have had moments where the Lord is trying to speak to us, to show his love and kindness to us, but we haven't turned aside to look at what he was doing around us. But this time when he turns aside, then the Lord is able to speak out because he's got his attention. Let the Lord have our attention as we meet with him. Look for where he is revealing himself to you in your life, because he is. He is desperately wanting to encounter us, to fellowship with us. It was the original intent that he had for our lives, the cool of the day. It was a regular occasion. You will begin to recognize his voice. You will begin to know where to turn your attention, and then we will be forever different because of it. And I think of this young man that then received a call and a commission to do things he didn't feel qualified to do, because he turned aside to meet with God in an unlikely place. You know, and we talk about so many of the traits of fire. And, and I think that 
this, regardless if you encounter God in a burning bush or not, I believe there is a lot with fire that the Lord will do in our lives. I believe that the Lord is an all-consuming fire. I believe that he purifies. I believe that when we meet with him, we are going to see that he will distinguish us. And fire does that. Uh, recently, Judah has been uh, asking a lot of questions about gold and, and, and how is like, how is, what is 24 versus 14? And like, he's like, what are all these Ks? And, and so we've been Googling, right? We've been learning and we're like, you know, for every carrot, carrot there's 4% of actual pure gold and it's based on its purity and it might get weaker, but it's more pure, you know? And, and so there's things that we've been kind of talking about with gold, but we think about what is the content of the Lord that we have in our lives, And how do we increase the carrots of Jesus? You know what I mean? How do we begin to allow our our process of refining and purifying and passing through the fire of of meeting with him and letting him transform and heal areas of our lives that maybe we've held on to and and locked behind closed doors and things that we didn't even want to bring up. But God wants to address this year because he has a vision to meet with you for who you are but not leave you where you're at. This is the God we serve, full of grace and mercy. And I think about the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 13, and we read that the people of Israel kind of had their own sort of encounter with God. And, and, and here they had this opportunity to, to meet with him, but they, they said, no, we're going to send someone else to meet with the Lord. It's a little too scary for us. And, and yet the, the Lord still in his graciousness said, no, I'm going to set you free I'm going to bring you out of this bondage and this slavery from this nemesis of this Pharaoh, this tyrannical ruler that you've been under. And the Lord didn't take them the straight path. He didn't take them the easiest way. And maybe he doesn't do that for you either. But he took them through the wilderness and he led them miraculously with a cloud by day and a fire by night. He is guiding our lives, even if it's not the shortest distance. He is still in control of the route that he has taken us because in his wisdom, he knows that this is the only way that he'll get all the glory. Because he will confound, he will literally lead you across some dry land that used to be sopping wet and full of river flowing waters because only he can get the glory for it. Because he is that kind of God, jealous for his name and his name only. He won't share that with anyone. And that's why when we have an encounter with God, I believe that he continues to guide us and to lead us. And it may be a cloud by day, it may be a fire by night. It may be the peace that you have in your heart to make choices this year that are going to be difficult, that are going to be changes, that are going to be transitions that you're going to have the strength to follow because the Lord's going to be in it. And I think about a man named Paul that we mentioned briefly last week. And we recounted his Damascus Road experience where he encountered the Lord. And Paul told King Agrippa, he said, this is what happened to me on my way to Damascus. I was just doing what I thought I was called to do, that I was supposed to, to be, uh, to literally be righting the wrongs and eliminating the Christians. And, but then Christ revealed himself to me. He had an encounter. And from that encounter, he walked away with purpose. As he recites before King Agrippa, he says, and my destiny, my purpose was to share this good news, this mystery with the Gentiles. And that's what I've been doing. And that's why I stand before you here, King Agrippa, he would recite. He came out of that encounter with a purpose and he had more vision for his life than he had ever had, even though physically he had no sight for three days. He had more vision for his life than he had ever even dreamed imaginable, even though he had studied under the greatest of tutors and rabbis previously in his life. 
And I think about how the Lord still has that for us today. He wants to take us from glory to glory. And Bruce, would you come up here real quick? We're just going to wrap up and I'm going to land this. And I hope that this is stirring up within you a desire to encounter the Lord and to know, okay, God, this is, this is not only the a predecessor of, of, of history, of lineage, of, of how you appear to folks, but it is also from the very beginning your desire for us. It is what you created me for. It is what you designed me for, to know your voice, to encounter you, to hear the sound of the Lord in my life. And that I would recognize it and I would turn my attention to it and I would allow you to do what you want to do in my life this year in 2020. And Paul compares the glory that came as Moses encountered the Lord with the glory that we behold through Christ under a better covenant. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 as I'm wrapping up. He said, now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, what about the ministry of righteousness? Won't it far exceed it in glory? Indeed, this is the case. What once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the surpassing glory that this one has. And he, begin, he continues to talk about how this is a more permanent a more permanent glory. And, you know, Moses would meet with the Lord and he would come down with a veil over his face. And I believe this was twofold. I believe it was one, it would remind the Israelites if they saw that glory of the way that they were living and that they were actually destined to behold the God that, Mo, that they had sent Moses to, to look at on his own. But it's also an embarrassment of it is fading and it's not lasting. That what Moses had upon him was, was not going to be forever. That he would need to go back up on that mountain if he wanted to encounter the Lord. But the difference in this new covenant is we have the spirit of God within us. And he renews this vision of the Lord. He renews this encounter and connects us to him that daily we can behold his glory. That what was once fading is now eternal and is eternal within us. And it is this deposit through his spirit that is guaranteeing our attachment to the one that is coming back for us. It is the promise that reminds us that we can behold his glory day after day until we see him in that glory forever. Amen. And I want to embark on this journey with you that what the Lord has for us isn't over yet because only through Christ is the veil that we wear in our lives taken away. And we don't wanna to come to him with the hardness of heart in our minds, the way that the Israelites did, but we wanna to come to him and say, yes, that, that we want this veil removed. And when we turn to the Lord, we see it removed. And this happens maybe once in our lives where we open the door of salvation, but then it happens forevermore as we say, God, I want to continue to turn the different aspects of my life towards you, that they may operate in the full redemption and plan that you have for them. That my relationships, that my finances, that then my past, my history would be turned towards you and find healing and restoration in its fullness. Join me in allowing the Lord to work out everything within our hearts, the gospel that he has for us, the good news that what we can't do, he's already done. And now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face will behold the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit.
Would you pray with me? You. Lord, I believe there are folks here that are needing to have some things in their lives transformed. They're under some heavy weights and some decisions and some family burdens and relationships and finances. God, I, I know in this, even with the, just this number of people, Lord, that we're walking in here with some heavy things. But Lord, we know that it is because you care for us that we can come to you and lay these things at your feet. And today I'm praying for my brother and my sister that we would do that. And Lord, I believe that there may be others even here that they haven't turned initially towards you to allow you to remove the veil from their hearts that they could say, God, I need your grace and I need your mercy for my life. And if you're here today and you would say, Michael, that's exactly what I need. I need to start this journey uh, or I need to come back to a path that I have gotten off of for my life, that I, am, I have drifted far from God. And if that's where you're at today, would you just slip up your hand? I wanna pray with you. If you would say, Michael, yes, I need to come back to the Lord. I wanna believe that he will give me a fresh start this, this new year. He would give me grace. Yes, anybody else? Yes, amen. And I believe there's many of us in this room that would say, Michael, I want 2020 to be a year marked with meeting with the Lord, that my heart would be transformed from hearing his voice more, that it would be more clear, that I would have undivided attention for him, that I would be listening for the sound of the Lord in the cool of the day throughout my life. Lord, let me be attentive to your voice. If that's what your desire is today, would you just raise your hand with me? That's what I'm asking, Lord. God, I just pray with my brothers and sisters, God, that you would tune our ears to your spirit and what he is saying and illuminating and, and where he is revealing Christ in our life. And God, we will come just as we are, but we're so thankful, God, that you are holy and you are just and you are full of mercy and kindness and grace. God, we come to you and we thank you for the power of transformation in your spirit's work. We give you liberty to do that in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would breathe new life on us, breathe desire, breathe hunger, awaken our hearts again. As we encounter you, we believe this is what you have created us for. We love you, we love you, we love you. In your name we pray, amen and amen. I pray this week will be full of his grace and mercy as we meet with him. And I wanna encourage you, take this next week and just pray some of those verses, especially from Ephesians chapter one, that he through his spirit would bring that spirit of wisdom and revelation. Be blessed this week.